It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 79 of the Night Talker. At 10.15, it is the first of my three-segment chat with stand-up comedian Ali Sadiq, ahead of his headlining shows at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. And coming up in seconds, the Tennessee Titans. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter, at Courtesy Wave. Do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Normally, I lead things off on a Monday show with a recap from the sports weekend, but rather than feigning interest in Brian Harmon winning the British Open, which is a cool story, by the way, or Women's World Cup group stage playing games with less scoring than the dorks who play dress-up for Comic-Con, and less goals is a bad thing for that boring sport, I need to start with the NFL. Not with any of the many headlines on injuries, holdouts, and the like through the first few days of camp, but based on a few simple tweets. Over the last few days, the Tennessee Titans have hinted at what their throwback uniforms would be this season. And much to many longtime Houston sports fans' disappointment and fury, the Titans will wear the old-school Houston Oilers uniforms for two games this season. Those games are TBA. And I have some opinions on that. In the name of Texas native Bum Phillips, whose importance to the Oilers early in their NFL life was as pronounced as that Oil Derrick logo or the Columbia Blue, a guy who lived the life of his famous quote, there's two kinds of coaches, them that's fired and them that's going to be fired. I say f*** you, Tennessee Titans. In the name of another state of Texas and Oilers icon, Earl Campbell, whose running style occasionally left him without a jersey on or a would-be tackler flying five yards backward from where he attempted to bring the Tyler Rose down. F*** you, Tennessee Titans. In the name of George Blanda, Dan Pastorini, Ken Stabler, Archie Manning, Gift Nielsen, Billy Joe Tolliver, Chris Chandler, Steve McNair, and even Commander Cody Carlson. I say f*** you, Tennessee Titans. In the name of Warren Moon, Ernest Givens in the electric slide, Drew Hill, Haywood Jeffries in his refusal to wear thigh pads, Curtis Duncan, Tony Jones, Alan Pinkett, Lorenzo White, Jack Pardee, and everyone else who played a part in those revolutionary run-and-shoot offenses of the early 1990s. You, Tennessee Titans. In the name of Bruce Matthews, Robert Brazil, Sid Gilman, Billy White Shoes Johnson, Mike Munchak, Buddy Ryan punching Kevin Gilbride in the face on the sidelines during a game, Chris Dishman, Ray Childress, Jerry Glanville, Jeff Fisher before his reputation took a draconian turn, and the greatest player in NFL history, Al Del Greco. You, Tennessee Titans. In the name of a kid growing up in Dallas in the 1980s and 90s, who, for some reason, rooted for the Oilers in a sea of Cowboys fans, who literally cried over the collapse in Buffalo, and when the team was taken from the city in 1997, all while not shedding a tear when that supposedly same franchise fell a yard short of winning a Super Bowl, nor when Bud Adams finally died. F*** you, Tennessee Titans. What you're doing is cute, 
and it will most certainly make you some money. But you're exploiting a part of your past that your current fan base doesn't give a damn about. And it's up to you to do the right thing and give the Oilers rights back to the city that cares about all of these things and more. Until you do that, you, Tennessee Titans. I'm going to be honest with you right now. That took much less time than I thought. I figured that rant might take the entire 10 minutes of the first segment, but here we are halfway through. We're only halfway through, so I guess I will have to get to some other sports headlines, and we will stay in the sport of football, starting with the NFL, and then working our way to college, because the Pac-12, I guess they had a single media day at the end of the week. They Friday news dumped their media day, which just goes to show you how terribly things are going with the Pac-12 right now. At least that's my theory. Before we get to that, though, do need to talk about one significant injury that has appeared, actually a couple now, that have appeared in the early days of team training camps. The Buffalo Bills had to make a really disappointing announcement After Tom Pelissero reported this on Twitter and via the NFL Network earlier this morning, Naheem Hines, who they acquired in a trade with the Indianapolis Colts during last season, was expected to be a special teams guy for them, returning kicks. He's very versatile. I mean, he is good taking the ball out of the backfield, but he's a great pass catcher too, does a really good job in pass protection, Again, a versatile running back for the Buffalo Bills who are looking for a little bit more out of that position. Obviously, he is going to miss the entire 2023 season from a significant knee injury that was not suffered on the practice field or the field of play at all. It's a fluke injury, and it sounds really scary, and you feel bad for Naheem Hines because he wasn't even really doing anything all that wrong. He was apparently on a jet ski a little bit earlier in the offseason, and somebody else in a different jet ski ran into his jet ski that caused a serious enough injury to his knee that it required surgery, and he will not be back for 2023. That thins out the Buffalo Bills running back room just a little bit. Of course, they did get rid of Zach Moss. I feel like that was in that deal with Naeem Hines. He is not a part of their roster anymore, the uh, former Utah Utes. But the running back room now, it starts with James Cook from Ohio State entering his second year. Had a few decent moments near the end of the season, but really did not hit the ground running, no pun intended, like they thought he would. But that room is healthier right now. Damian Harris is a guy that I liked a lot with the New England Patriots. He is looking to grab a share of carries in Bills camp this year. And then they also have Latavius Murray too. So losing Naheem Hines hurts, but it doesn't hurt as much as it might have next year. Still a bummer to hear about though. And then really quickly from the Pac-12 and their media day on Friday. They literally Friday news dumped their media day. I guess there wasn't a ton going on considering that Deion Sanders wasn't there as he 
recovers from a pretty serious surgery to correct a blood clot issue in one, if not both, of his legs. But of course, the big news coming from Pac-12 Media Days, other than a lot of chest thumping from USC and their belief on what they can accomplish this year, and they're not wrong about that. USC is a national championship contender, no doubt. They have arguably the best player in the country in Caleb Williams, who's looking to win a second straight Heisman Trophy, and Lincoln Riley as the team's head football coach and a talented roster to boot. But the big news coming out of Pac-12 Media Day, and this was announced, I want to say, two or three days before the Media Day actually happened. It was leaked, shockingly, so that hopefully uh, it's less of an abrasive story during the event itself. That is no media deal to speak of for the Pac-12. No TV deal going forward after this season. That is still very much up in the air right now as is the Pac-12's future as a major college football conference. I have been saying it all offseason. I have been saying it going back to when George Klievkov overplayed his hand, when he helped to form the alliance after Texas and Oklahoma announced that they were going to the SEC, only to find one of his members of the alliance between the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC, the Big Ten swooping in and poaching Two of his most important brands with USC and UCLA. So Pac-12 still trying to find that next TV partner. Good luck with that, guys. Coming up next, it is the first of a three-segment chat with the very funny Ali Sadiq, stand-up comedian who is headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Ali Sadiq is a very funny stand-up comedian, as evidenced by last year's hugely popular special, The Domino Effect. And he's just come out with part two for that special. It's called Domino Effect 2 Loss. He's actually going to be headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. Don't know how many tickets remain. If they are there, though, you need to go to ComedyMothership.com to snag those now. And Ali is nice enough to join me for a few minutes. Ali, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Just sitting in this lush hotel in Austin. You did kill Tony last night. Uh, I don't know if that was your first time in Rogan's new club. I've actually... Had the uh, the chance to uh, check out comedy there on about four or five occasions at this point. For you coming from the comedian side of things, do you agree with the uh, sentiment that most comedians seem to be sharing, which is that it's the perfect comedy club for comedians? It is definitely a comedian's comedy club. It is definitely that. It I'm, The aesthetics of it is great. How you move around the club is spectacular. You don't have to go through the audience. You don't even have to see them until you actually go out there. And it, it's filled off. It's like it's like a little comedy, little comedy treehouse. Like it's very filled off, man. And it's nice. I'm not going to front. It is nice. It's very nice. Love to hear it. And uh, you actually have a new special out right now. It is the Domino Effect Part 2 loss. This comes uh, about a year after you release the original Domino Effect. And uh, you choose to focus on loss this time around. And I love a quote that you give at the beginning of this latest special, which came out in early June. And that is, in the streets, people only talk about their wins. They never talk about their losses. 
But for me as somebody who uh, strives for success and studies those who are successful, uh, most successful people will admit not only do they suffer defeats and losses and failures, they often do so quite frequently uh, in an effort to gain experience, but also to learn lessons from those losses too. So is that kind of what your thinking was when you decided to focus on loss with this latest special? Yeah, it was along those lines because that's, that's a topic that's really not discussed in in most people's lives. They never talk about the loss. They never nobody ever. Hey, let me tell you about the time that I lost. <laughs> but those are the things that you learn from, you gain your experience from, and you know how to win because you you lost. And especially when it comes to that's when it comes to games. But when it comes to losing people, like in a relationship. Like a lot of people get devastated after a divorce. You know, they feel like their whole life is not together. And, you know, and then they have this regret about what they didn't do. But those are things that happen. You know, sometimes you, you lose something to get to get something better. or Sometimes you just lose something because it, it's not actually for you. Then when you losing people as, as, as far as a death, Death can be devastating for a person. Like a, a, a fan, I've seen family not recover because the head of the family passed. You know, and I would be less than a person if I didn't want to prepare my kids and my family for when I'm not going to be around. It's inevitable. I'm not going to be here all the time. So I'm trying to get them to understand why I move, like I move, why I do certain things, so they can still, you know, prosper. But we don't discuss it all the time. We we act like we're going to be here forever and things are forever and you're going to lose things. You know, my daughter lost her earring and she act like it was the end of the world. I'm like, <laughs> like we, can get you a, we can get you another earring. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand cry, cry gibberish. I don't understand. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's that's the, the the thinking behind this particular special, having a message about being able to lose something and carry on you know it's so interesting because uh you've obviously been through your own trials and tribulations which is worse than most people are going to experience in their life but as your friend rogan says the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you so i got a couple of young kids at home <laughs> i got an eight and six year old at home right now and sometimes my son or daughter will be like this is the worst day ever and sometimes it's as simple as us being out of strawberries or uh, us saying it's we're done watching TV for the day. And I, I just want to sit there and tell them sometimes you don't even understand how bad it could possibly be. But I also have to remember in their limited experience on Earth. Yeah, this does kind of suck for them. And I probably need to figure out <laughs> other ways for them to deal with hard stuff. You know, my seven year old breaks down when there's no more raspberries left. <laughs> well, well, you ate them. <laughs> like you ate all of them. Like, did, did you? And I got to explain that. Did you enjoy the raspberries when you were, when you were eating all of them? It was okay. It was a bunch of raspberries, right? And the more you went in the refrigerator, they started to dwindle. Like I, I say, I'm not crying because I didn't get not one raspberry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then I go to the picture of her with the raspberry with the raspberry fingers. She had a raspberry on each finger. She's like, look. He's like, I say, see, that's. That's why they're gone. <laughs> so, so, try to get them to deal with things early. 
So it just won't be so devastating as, as, as life rolls on. Yeah, it's like I bought a full pint of ra- raspberries that were supposed to last for the entire week, but they didn't even make it two days because you decided to go on a raspberry binge. So maybe next time. All, she put them on everything. Yeah. It's in a yogurt, in a pocket. Like, it's like I, I like, did you just put a raspberry in your pocket? I'm taking it upstairs. <laughs> to do what? Like, it's insane. So you said part of the way that you try to prepare your family for the fact that you're not always going to be around because there are two commonalities for us all. That is birth and death. You do try to explain uh, why you operate the way that you do. So I guess is there a a simple way for you to explain to me and uh, my viewers and listeners right now as to why you do operate the way that you do, Ali? Yeah, because I think about I wake up and the first thing I think about is death. So I can have gratitude for the life that I'm about to live today. Hmm. Like I'm, I'm going to have the best time that I can have today. If I get upset about something, it's only temporary because I know I don't have that type of time to waste. I don't have time to be mad about this all day. And then I may not get, I may not get to Wednesday. So I'm, I got to do whatever I got to do today. And what I'm not going to do is waste my time being upset about something that, that I had no control over. Or things that I do have control over, I know that I had the control. So, hey, man, you you either get over it or waste it or waste your time living. Like, are you wasting your lifetime? Like, that's, that's that's how I think about myself all the time. Am I wasting the time that I have to live doing something that I don't really want to do and that's healthy for me? So, that's my philosophy. I'm I'm gonna think about death. For the first 15 minutes, as soon as I open my eyes, so I can live a better life for today. You know, because I because I realize I don't have the time. I don't have the time that I think that most people think that they have. Oh, I'll just do that tomorrow. Or, or I'll I fix that tomorrow. No, I might as well fix it today while I'm thinking about it. Because <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm at that time. I just don't know what... The, the hourglass, man, I don't know what... what <laughs> I just don't know. So I got to... I got to try to do everything I can do today. And well, that's such an interesting the- way to think about things, especially to start your day. Some people may hear that and think that it's a morbid way to start your day. But if you are thinking about that in a way that turns it into an overall positive over the course of the rest of the day, then uh, then it has to be looked at as healthy. I'm curious, though, because not a whole lot of people necessarily take on that life philosophy. Have you been around death a fair amount in your life that uh, it's something that is top of mind very first thing in the morning? Yeah, it, the, the thing is, my I've experienced some some pretty awful deaths hmm. in, my, in my family, and I see how it... it devastated my family in the beginning until mm. we learned because our first loss was uh, a small child and so oh. when that happened it was so devastating because it, you know it's a it's a it's a child it's, it's an eight-year-old and you thinking about all this other life that they had to live because you know you're at this point and then you lose an elderly person and then you think about well they lived a long life you know they and then you start to weigh it out like man some sometimes it's young sometimes it's old sometimes it's 
what we would call an accident but you have to you have to deal with these things that that happen in in your life and when it when it's like that you start to learn man like i i don't have the type of time that i thought that i had you know like i thought i had a lot of time with my sister she's a why wouldn't i think that she's a child and you know i i got plenty of time to do a lot of things with her the creator didn't say the same so you you start to regret things that you didn't you didn't do instead of relishing the things that you did like man i was we we used to have a really good time. So I think about those things the most. Then I think about the elderly people. I didn't spend a lot of time with my grandmother like I should have. But you lived with her in the time that you did have with her. What did she teach you in those times? That's a, that's a better memory. That's a better discussion versus me talking about what we didn't get a chance to do. You know, see what I'm saying? So... Yeah. I kind of live with the experience that I had versus what I thought should happen. Even when in a breakup, somebody, you know, I, I've had some relationships and oh, me and this girl broke up. Then I see her 15 years later. I'm like, yeah, probably good. Probably good. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know your genetics was like that. I didn't know that you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, you didn't want to work out not once. Mm. Like, like. <laughs> he is stand-up comedian Ali Sadiq, headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. You want to grab those tickets that do remain. There aren't a ton. Shows Friday through Sunday. Go to ComedyMothership.com. Coming up more with Ali on the other side. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with the very funny Ali Sadiq. He is going to be headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. Not sure if any tickets remain. If they do, you need to go to ComedyMothership.com right now to grab those tickets. They will sell out by Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at the absolute latest. He is performing Friday through Sunday. Ali, we were just talking about people from your past who you think are one thing and will remain that one thing going forward, that's not always how it ends up. As a matter of fact, the opposite usually happens because people take their skills in the moment for granted. And oftentimes, they will get complacent with the honing of that skill. And years later, they'll still think there's something. It could be good at a sport or a trade or a craft, but if you haven't done that thing in a long time that you consider yourself good at, you're not going to be very good at it anymore. Some guys who I used to be friends with, you do know that you don't look anything like you looked in high school. Like, like, like anything. You know? Like, what? hey, man, did you, like, not slide back from the table at all? Like, not at all. Like, <laughs> man, you know, you know, my thyroid. <laughs> Nothing happened to your thyroid. It's like... <laughs> He's like, no, your plate, sir. Like it, it's some, it's some people who I thought were gonna end up being good people that didn't. It happens, and I think that a lot of times we're not prepared for what can actually happen 
and we skate through it. Like, we don't talk about it. Like, some people don't talk about anything that can happen. I used to be on a basketball team, and one of the guys used to say, hey, man, listen, I know y'all don't think this, but it's a good chance that we might lose this game. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, if y'all not going to play, we're, it's a good chance that we're going to lose. And that used to always bring, you like, hey, man, hey, man, listen, we need to really start playing this game like we know how to play. <laughs> because other than that, he's right. It's a good chance that we're going to lose. And sometimes we just couldn't get it together and we lost. And he's like, and then you see the guys with their head down. I can't believe we lost. Well, guess what? I can't believe you wasn't rebounding. I, I couldn't believe it. I was <laughs> I was amazed that you wasn't rebounding that ball. <laughs> but, but I think that with my kids, I, I, I do the same thing. I can't believe that I failed that test. Man, you know what I can't believe? That you didn't study, man. I can't believe it. Like, and I watched you not study. I, I don't know if you know that. I watched you not study, and I knew what was going to happen. So maybe next time you may want to get it together. Because I'm not going to help you when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And my kids learned that lesson. Like, he's going to allow us to fail if we're not doing that. Like, yeah, I told you. And so in my life, I kind of want to put things out there for people that you can laugh at it. You can, but I'd rather you think about it and like, hey man, you do know it's a good chance that you this may not work out like you like you think it's gonna work out. But how do you bounce back from that? You know, that's like doing a science experiment. You experimenting some, you know, you putting together. Oh, it didn't work this time. Oh, it, oh, it didn't work this time. Hey, were we supposed to be making blue bleach? No, no. okay, it did because I had a. I grew up with a chemistry set. I don't know if you remember those. They, oh, yeah. I, they, you, you, you would give, parents would give their kids for Christmas chemistry set. And you would just sit there and try to make things. Yeah. And it didn't work out a lot, you know. And But what you did create, you created. I remember I remember sewing my own jeans and because I wanted them straight leg. I, so I sold them myself. And in the middle of the school day, the threading popped. So oh now I got God. like I got like straight legs, flare bottom jeans. <laughs> and, and and other and another dude was like, hey man, you gotta kinda double stitch it at the end so it won't pop. I had no idea everybody was doing this. <laughs> I thought it was just me. So, so you, I learned you, le- you learned a lesson from your uh from your jeans coming apart at the seams then. Oh man, it was like a straight leg flare. And my sister told my sister told me, hey, when you do that, don't cut, don't cut the other material off. Cause it I like, why? It, it just looks crazy. It, and so I cut it and now it's popped. And that's why she told me don't cut it. Cause if it popped, then you can have your regular, your regular gene. But now it's now it's like flared and it's cut. And I'm like, no, this is the new style. This is the new- <laughs> You just mentioned uh, letting your kids fail, and that's so important to do as hard as it is at times. But man, parenting is so full of pitfalls in 2023. Obviously, COVID screwed everything up. But for you as a parent, how many kids do you have, Ali? Oh, I have a thousand. Like, I have like nine children. Okay. How many young kids do you have right now? Uh, Starting at 12. 
12. Okay. 12 and down. 12 and down. 12 and down. So, yeah. oh my God, man, that's a, uh, that's, <laughs> you do have yeah, a have variety. Some... You do have a variety going on. I know you mentioned you had a, a seven-year-old daughter too, and it goes even younger than that. What do you think the yeah. biggest challenge is for a parent in 2023? I think it's the same as it was when, in, when I started having kids. My oldest is 29. My oldest daughter is 24. Um, just the, it's a pitfall when you're not having enough time with them. Hmm. Spending it's like with your kids, like people have them and then they rush to let somebody else have them. I've, I've, I'm never, I'm not in that space because I, I, I want, I want to keep them as close as possible so I can explain as much as possible. You know, because in this, in 2023, the challenge is that they're exposed to things very early if you're not watching. And then they, they're exposed by irresponsible people. Let's say that. that. I think that's the biggest the biggest downfall of 2023, if your children being exposed by inexperienced people. Like, in this in this world, a lot of people without children try to tell you how to rear children, but you don't have them. So I don't understand. I don't understand. And and an adopted child is not like your own. Uh, mm. A niece and a nephew is not like your own. And like I and I want people to. I have nieces and nephews. They're not like my children. You know what I'm saying I have people that I know that have adopted children and they love them and then when they have a child the 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 natural way they see the difference this is this is somebody else's child actually yeah. that you're that you're rearing this is your actual blood and flesh and blood it's different oh love is love no it is not no it is not like man i love my my sister's kids I love them to death, but not like my kids. No, it's it like, hey, I jump in the river and save your life if you drowning. But with my children, I would give my child my heart so they could live and I could go. Like, man, I it, it's not it's not the same, and I don't want people's impression to be on my children without me being there to explain what they're seeing or what they're going through or yeah I, I the closeness man the closeness and I don't I don't want somebody giving my kid information about things that I don't see it as the same and and people think well what are you talking about anything even with teachers I don't want a teacher that's telling my child to do something for money Oh, you gotta you gotta learn this, do this, you can have a good job. That's not how I'm raising my children. I nope. I don't want my children to be in the, to to put themselves in a machine just to get get paid. Hey, just like I don't I don't want I don't I don't go with the Santa Claus thing either. Well, if you be good, some strange fat man. Are gonna give you gifts. That sound like that sound like <laughs> raising my daughter to be a stripper. Like, <laughs> hey, little girl, you be good. <laughs> like, like, 
I just don't. My ideology is do something that you love, yeah. not something that you have to do. You know, because this thing, if they go to school and hear some teacher tell them, you got to work, work a job, you got to do all this, and then they go home and see, well, my father doesn't work a job. My father always talks about doing what you love and and living your life. It's kind of contrary to what you are saying as a teacher. And I'm not going to be in combat with that. I'm like, hey, you have to educate yourself so you can in order to do whatever you want to do in life. Mm-hmm. Like you you have to get these you have to get this creative. I'd rather them teach my child about being creative. Hey, hey, do create something. Be be passionate about something. Not go to the job and, and like I just don't see I just don't see it the same way. And like when I used to hear coaches tell my son, it's about how you play the game. Well, that's one part of it. But you it's about how you play the game, but you also play the game to win too. Like you we're not coming out here for a loss. I, I promise you, I didn't drive 45 minutes to get up two hours early for you to go out there and lose or not give it your best effort. That's the loss to me when you didn't give it your best effort and you lost. It's a double loss. Like you gave it your best effort and you lost. Solid. You got to get better. But if you went out there and you just accept hey, hey man this out hey, you lost man I'm not doing that he is stand up comedian Ali Sadiq going to be headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend I just checked there are a few tickets remaining for the shows Friday through Sunday go to comedymothership.com right now to grab those they will be gone by Thursday or Friday coming up one more segment with Ali on the other side it's the night talker with Trey Elling It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. One final segment with Houston-based stand-up comedian Ali Sadiq. He is headlining at Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership this weekend. Shows Friday through Sunday. Not a ton of tickets remain for any of them. Go to ComedyMothership.com to grab those now. They will almost certainly be gone by Wednesday or Thursday or at the very latest on Friday. Ali, we were just talking about sports and competition and the importance of winning and losing. And sports is so important for helping kids to understand how to operate in this world. And that's one of my biggest concerns with society right now, Ali, is that there are way too many kids who don't play any sports anymore. They just basically sit on their fat asses playing video games all day. But sports teaches you how to coexist with others. They teach you the value of teamwork. They teach you how it feels to win versus lose. And it also teaches you how to handle winning and losing because there are important ways to handle both of those things too. Man, winning and losing and preparation and practice and determination and effort, all these things that sports do for you. And I played every sport, even the sports that I wasn't good at, I still played them. This is what I think the problem is with children. And parents. The problem, first of all, with parents, they go over the children. So you have a child and you put them in basketball. Is that all that they play is basketball? Yeah, this is all my, my son plays basketball. So y'all don't go through the seasons? <laughs> like, I went through the seasons. 
I played football in football season, <laughs> basketball in basketball season, baseball in baseball season. I swam, lacrosse, golf, tennis, badminton, hacky sack. It's like, it's like, it's like whatever, <laughs> soccer, whatever was going, like what? Do you remember hacky sack? It's yeah. like, this was a, this was a crazy thing. Like, a bag and you and you gotta hit it as many times as you can hit it. And like, <laughs> I wasn't good at this, and then I started to be. It's the processing of learning things, marbles. Like you know how crazy it is to leave out with a bag of marbles and you come home and you walk in and you tell your parent, I can't believe I survived with these. I made it home with these three marbles. <laughs> I bought you a bag of marbles. Uh, I was losing marbles left and right. <laughs> they was some of them cracked. It was crazy out there on the marble field today. <laughs> it's like I skateboarded. I tried to surf. I did everything. Hmm. They put their kids in one box. I just play AAU basketball. What? You can't play no other sport. I just play football and you can't. Fo- I didn't grow up like that. I grew up playing every sport, playing every activity. Some I was good at, some I was horrible at, but I did it. I couldn't believe I used to I used to be so good at hot ball. It was this game called Spread Eagle, where you would throw this ball up against a wall, yep. you had to catch it with one hand. And if you missed it, you got to run and touch the wall before somebody hit you. And then if you got hit, you had to stand on the wall and let somebody throw it. <laughs> Like these are some terrible games, that, but <laughs> the consequence of not catching that ball with one hand, you learn very good coordination. Like I was a shortstop, so mm-hmm. it it's like a ball can't really get past me because I played spread eagle. But you throw that ball, and <laughs> you gotta catch it one, you gotta catch it one hand, and, and it's a consequence to not catching this ball with one hand. Somebody go catch it and try to throw it at you. Man, I, I just don't think that kids play enough. I, I skate. I was a skateboarder, and I and to, to this day I still jump on a skateboard huh. and on the street. And they be like, "Man, he on a skateboard?" Man, I rode bikes. I did everything. I fell a lot. You know, I would come in and show my mom my shoulder. I'm like, ah, I don't know what this is. <laughs> it's like it's called cement rash, son. You know what <laughs> You what? What did you slide down? And then she just. This is a funny thing. My mom, and this is learning about learning about how to take things as well. My mom be like, she'll be talking to me. And she's like, oh, look over there. And then I look and she'll pour peroxide on the school. <laughs> I'm like, ah. <laughs> like uh, so peroxide of alcohol. And you you learn to toughen up. Yeah. And you and you, hey man, I lost a lot of skin. I've lost a lot of skin in the game. And it teaches you those things. I can't emphasize enough about sports and putting your kids in sports that they're not good at to teach them to learn. You take a bunch of football players and put them in lacrosse. Hey, man, I know you think you're athletic. You have football coordination. You don't have lacrosse coordination. That's right. You know, put your kid in fencing and saying, and you're like, oh, you think you fast? Ah, you see that? Yeah, you're just like point. Point <laughs> point again, like it's um like my son, he boxed. Mm. But I tell him there's so many things that you have to do. Boxing 
to be good at boxing, you still have to run. You still have to be able to jog. Yeah. And then you still have to be able to swim. And you still have to be able to jazz dance. Jazz dance? Yeah. Footwork, son. Yep. They call it the sweet science for a reason. (laughs) It's a lot of things that go in. It's a lot of things that go into this, sir. And you have to be, and this is the number one thing that I try to teach kids and tell kids. In order to be a good boxer, you have to be positive. Hmm. What? What? I said, you have to have a lot of positive reinforcement for this reason. Say if you down in a fight, you can't be talking to yourself saying that you down. You have to be, okay, all right, I'm behind. Okay, that's yeah, I'm up a little bit. You have to positively be talking to yourself to the, even distribute this type of skill in boxing. To hit somebody, you have to still be positive. You have to think Oh, that, I'm gonna go to the body on this one. Look at that. That's yeah. That's a little something. You know, you have to really be t- talking to yourself. You're like, what? Yeah. In in any sport, when you're behind, you have to have a lot of positive affirmations that you're giving yourself. Oh, I missed this basket, but that's that one. I got a short memory. I'm coming to shooting. I'm shooting again. I mean, I can't believe I just struck out. It's crazy. Wait till I get back up there, though. Wait till I get back up there. This one's going over the wall. <laughs> like, did he just throw this curveball past me again? I don't think people know how positive you have to be in your head to play a sport. Oh, yeah. Well, especially in baseball, too, because Hall of Famers, Hall of Fame hitters still fail seven out of every ten times they go to the plate. That's crazy to think about, the amount of confidence that you have to remain good at baseball with how much the best are still failing more than they're succeeding. Do you understand that in boxing, you miss damn near 60% of your punches? Oh, wow. I did not realize that. The only way that you do 100% of your punches is when you're on the pads. That's why when you see huh. the numbers, the concubine number, he threw 300 punches. He landed 30. <laughs> like, like you throw, if you throw 100 punches around, you're probably going to land 14. Those are not high percentages. Because this is a person that's moving. You threw a punch, but I still did this. I didn't, I didn't let you, I, it's not the pad. I didn't, I'm, like, I'm not, I am moving while you're throwing the punches. Like you didn't miss a lot of punches. Hmm. You missed a lot of punches. You only connected seven times. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that six one hurt. They say, I ain't gonna lie, that six one hurt. It did hurt. <laughs> I thought my son thought that too. Because you're on the pads and you're on the bag. It's all of those things are landing. It's designed for you to do that for muscle memory. The reflex bag is where you learn that you're not gonna you're not gonna land all these punches. Yep. <laughs> like what? Hey, you threw 80 punches, you missed 79. Hmm. <laughs> you missed 70. You hit me one time, sir. Cause I you were like um Pernell Whitaker. I watched the Pernell Whitaker De La Hoya fight the other day. De La Hoya threw 99 punches in the first round, and he missed Pernell Whitaker 99 times. Oh, my gosh. He didn't land not one punch that was of significant, like, and it was, and, and then Pernell, he was right there in front of him. He was, huh, 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 huh. and then he was like, I'm like, 
man, do you understand? But I boxed and I know like, hey man, I just fought Todd Manuel. I just bought sparred with Todd Manuel. I missed Todd so many times. Like I, and he was right there. He it's like he was a ghost. He was, <laughs> he was right there. Todd landed 80% of his punches on me. I'm not even <laughs> he landed. I didn't see most of them. Like, <laughs> and it's by by the way, it's when you get punched square in the face that you uh, have to have the most confidence as a boxer too. You still have to have that belief in self because otherwise you're just going to turn and run. Do do you know? I always applaud boxers that go down and get back up because man, it's so it's so comfortable down there. Once you once you go down, <laughs> it's so comfortable. It's like, man, you know, I don't have to get up and deal with deal with him again. I can just let them count me out. Oh man! See, like once they get to six, six you be thinking about it, like six. You're like you know what's on the road? Seven. Damn it! Let me go and get up. That is <laughs> let hilarious. Let me go and get up. <laughs> oh man, he is Ali Sadiq. Please make sure to check out his new stand-up special. It's the Domino Effect Part Two Loss. You can do so through his YouTube channel or just by going to his website, alisadiq.com. And if you're here in the Austin area, check them out. Comedy Mothership, end of July. There will not be tickets the week of. All of these shows sell out, and Ollie will be no different. But you can still get tickets right now. Do so through ComedyMothership.com. Ollie, thank you so much for the time today, man. This is a real pleasure. Oh, man, thank you for having me, man. It's been great, man. It's been a great interview. Another show is in the books. Thank you so much for listening tonight. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 p.m. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the evening and sweet dreams. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellings.